Hello and welcome to this, the 13th podcast, in this series of my tales and songs from the folk songs collected in Devon by the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould. It is now 135 years ago, in this month of December 2023, Sabine and Freddie Bustle did not collect many more songs to add to their already impressive haul that autumn of around 90 songs. As I said in podcast number 10, Fleetwood Shepherd had already gone back home to Yorkshire for Christmas. So this was to be the Christmas break for all of them. Grace, Sabine's wife, must have been pleased to have her husband home with her and the children and not gadding about the local area song collecting. Sabine's expeditions in search of the old Devon folk songs would not start again until about the middle of 1889 when Fleetwood Shepherd and Freddie Bustle would again join him in taking down the songs from the memories of these wonderful old fellows they called the Songmen of Devon. Mrs Grace Baring Gould may have had the pleasure of her husband's presence over the Christmas period of 1888, but it would not be long before he would be off on his travels again in 1889, this time abroad for health reasons. Going abroad in winter had been a regular part of Sabine's life from early childhood and the years to come, as he suffered with asthma and other chest complaints. When he was a boy, his parents were advised by doctors that the warmer climate of the south of France and Italy would improve his condition, better than remaining in the damp atmosphere of Devon in winter. So far in these podcasts, I have timed the release of them, starting in June of this year, to match the time in how Sabine's story started in the summer of 1888 and ran to the end of that year. Just as we are now here in December, 135 years later, it is time too, like Sabine did back then, take a pause for Christmas at the end of the first few months of his song-collecting story. In this pause, I will take a look at his childhood. Some of what follows comes from the biography Sabine Baring Gould, Squarson, writer and folklorist, 1834-1924, to written by his grandson, Bickford H.C. Dickinson. Bickford had known his grandfather from childhood, as his mother Mary was the eldest daughter of Sabine and his wife Grace. Bickford begins Sabine's story by introducing his father, Edward. Edward Baring Gould had been a cavalry officer in the East India Company, stationed in Madras. An accident he had while driving a dog cart, which overturned, resulted in him having unsuccessful medical treatment to a damaged hip. This left him with a permanent limp for the rest of his life and the end of his military career. Invalided out of the army, he returned to England in 1830 as a country gentleman. Not long after his return to England, he met Miss Charlotte Bond of Exeter, and in 1832 they were married. Sabine was their first child. He was born in Exeter on the 28th of January 1834. Not long after that, the family moved to the village of Bratton Clavelli, a few miles north of Sabine's grandparents' estate, Lutrenchard Manor. But all was not well. Edward was restless. Now living in a village with little in common with his landowning neighbours, whose main interests were country pursuits, which were of no interest to him whatsoever. The answer? Simple. To travel. Edward bought a coach, 
hired a coachman called Pengelly, loaded up their luggage and the two children. Sabine now had a sister called Margaret. There was also a nurse, and then they sailed for France in the spring of 1837 for a tour of Europe that Bickford Dickinson described as genteel vagabondage, which would last until 1851. The family meandered through Europe in these years, and their tours took them through France, Belgium, Germany, Italy and Austria, only returning home for short periods to England. With this continuing travel, there was very little proper schooling for Sabine, other than a couple of years at King's College School London as a boarder, and a year at Warwick Grammar School as a day boy, with a family living close by. Then, Sabine having suffered congestion of the lungs over one winter, resulting in doctors advising his parents he should be taken abroad to improve his condition. This gave his father the excuse to return once more to the south of France. So this was it for Sabine as far as education went. Just three years in his own country, with a short spell of formal education in that time. While on tour, Edward did hire tutors for Sabine, but whether they were sufficient in teaching is anyone's guess. Sabine may not have had a formal, normal structured education, but with the time spent in different countries, by the age of 15, he spoke five languages fluently. I have skimmed over these years of Sabine's youth, and he is now 17 years old when the family finally returns to England in 1851 for good. They come to live in the town of Tavistock on the western edge of Dartmoor. Sabine would spend much time travelling on his pony, exploring Dartmoor. And it was in the moorland taverns where he would spend the nights when away from home, and in the evenings here the old moormen and miners singing their songs. These song sessions in the taverns he would remember and mention at that dinner party of his friend Daniel Radford in the summer of 1888, some 37 years later. This of course then takes us back to that summer's evening of 1888 and the after-dinner discussion on Old Devon folk songs where it all began. In recognition of his friend's suggestion that night, Sabine wrote the following in his memory in the front of Songs of the West. To the memory of the late D. Radford Esquire, J.P. of Mount Tavy, at whose hospitable table the making of this collection was first muted. Although I have always sung unaccompanied, I do enjoy working with musicians. To that end, I have been working with Kate and John Tidball as a trio by the name of Thimblerig. This gives me the opportunity to sing the songs of Sabine Baring Gould with musical accompaniment by John and Kate, John being the producer and editor of these podcasts. A few nights ago, I visited Kate and John in the neighbouring village of Ashwater, for an evening of songs, stories and music in their living room. What follows is a few of the songs from that evening. Well, here I am, Mike Bosworth. I'm with Kate and John Tidball in their lounge. So, Kate, you're going to play the fiddle on the songs that are coming up. How long have you been playing? Well, 
I think I probably started when I was about eight at primary school. Um, my dad, who was a peripatetic teacher, brought one home. And um, I kind of learnt from there, really. Oh, really? I went down the classical route for a while and then found folk. And I found I enjoyed that a lot more. And uh, as a teenager living in Chagford, I played with Bob Cann and the Dartmoor Pixie Band all over Devon. And from then on, I've just carried on playing. Very good. Do you play any other instruments? Um, I play piano and double bass, neither of which are very portable. Um, <laughs> double bass, I, I enjoy. I play with a variety of uh, different different bands and different genres. And um, I, also, I also teach in schools, which is great fun. And are young children or teenagers? Young children. Young children beginning to learn the violin and the piano. That must be really difficult at times. Extremely. <laughs> Extremely. But we're getting there. But we don't tell the parents. No. Oh, no. <laughs> OK. So now we move across the room to John, who's sitting next to me on the other side. Can you tell us what that instrument is that you have there? As I'm sure many people may not even know what it is when they hear it. Well, this is an Irish bazooki. Why is it Irish? Um, I'll play it too. I'll, I'll play it first so people can get an idea of what it sounds like. Then I'll... Uh, Maybe bore you, maybe not, with a little backstory. So quite twangy, quite low, although you can make it sound higher. But um, some Irish musicians, um, Andy Irving might have been involved, Johnny Moynihan, they went out to Greece, uh, Eastern Europe uh, in the late 60s, and they saw the Greek bazooki being played with the round back and, you know, it's all with the Greek and all that. And um, they could hear this twangy lower sound and thought, oh, that would fit really well with our sort of music. So they brought a Greek bazooki back and started playing it with Irish music. And um, it caught on. And so the, the round back disappeared. It became a flat back. They changed the tuning slightly. And uh, it's now, if you sort of dig deep enough, you'll find it in loads and loads of different sort of Irish and Celtic music. Okay. It's similar to the mandolin in shape, the one you have there, and it has two strings for each of the notes. Indeed, yes. But it's it definitely sounds different to a mandolin, because it is, there's a longer neck, am I right? It's much, much, a much bigger instrument, yeah. and it's tuned slightly different to a mandolin. A mandolin would sort of be like a fiddle. G-D-A-E? Yep, and the bazooki is G-D-A-D. Ah. It's a lovely sort of um, drone. I'll be playing Irish bazooki in the first of the songs that we do later, and then mandolin in the other two, so you'll be able to hear the difference. Yeah. But I first came across it, there's a Cornish band called Dalla. Yeah. And um, a man in there, Mr. Davy, Mr. Neil Davy, an absolutely Brilliant. mad, bonkers musician. Yeah. And that's where I first heard the Irish bazooki being played. And my jaw just dropped, and I realised that this is what I wanted to be playing all along, yeah. I think. And I absolutely love it. So that's why I thought, when we first got together, that this was from the east of Europe. I'm not far out then, or that I wasn't. That kind of sound. That yes. Yes. It reminds you... me of Czech music absolutely. coming across. That um, sort of twangy lower range and yeah. those um, sort of minor notes. Yeah, you can, you yeah. can have an absolute, I love it, absolute ball with it. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you.
The first song we're going to sing for you is the Eglisale Ringers, and it dates back to 1810. All the ringers mentioned in the song are buried in the churchyard at Eglisale. It comes from John Martin of Milton Abbott, Devon. Come all ye ringers good and brave, come listen to my peal. I'll tell you of five ringers brave that lived in Eglisale. They fare this way in any array where'er they chance to go. Good music of melodious bells is their delight to show. There's Craddock the Cordwain of first that rings the treble bell. And the second is John Ellery, and there's none may him excel. The third is Bollard Carpenter, the fourth is Thomas Cleave. The fellow is the tenor man that brings them round so brave. The foreman gives the signal, he steps on with the toe, and he casts his eye about them all, and he gives the sign to go. Away they pull with courage full, the hearty do revive. To hear them swing a music, bring one, two, three, four, and five. They went up to Lanlivery, and there they won the prize. And then they went to Santony, and there they did likewise. There's Stratton Mens, and Baby Mens, and Issy and St Q. But the five lads of Eglis Elf, and all the rest outdo. Task, the sovereign's health will join. Stand every man, I'll pass the flask and I'll drink his health in wine. And here's to Craddock Ellery, here's to Thomas Cleave. Good fellow is the tenor man that brings them round so brave. The next song we're going to sing for you is The Drunken Maidens. This can be dated back to 1710 from a songbook titled Charming Phyllis. It was sung by Edmund Fry of Lidford, Devon. Are we ready to go? From Monday morning, nor stay till Saturday night. When Saturday night did come, sirs, they would not then go out. And these three drunken maidens, they pushed the jug about. Then in come bouncing Sally, with cheeks as red as bloom. Make way, my jolly sisters, make way for Sally some room. For I'll be your equal before that we go out. And now four drunken maidens, they push the jug about. It's woodcock and pheasant, it's partridges and hare. All kinds of dainties, no scarcity was there. It's four quarts of Malaga, they fairly drunk it out. 
And these four drunken maidens, they push the jug about. Then down came the landlady, a-looking for a pay. A forty pound a bill, sirs, those damsels drew that day. That's ten pounds apiece, sirs, but still they would not out. And these four drunken maidens, they pushed the jug about. Your mantles rich and fine They've all been as swallowed up In tankards of good wine And where are your maidenheads You maidens brisk and gay We left them in the public bar We, we drank them clean away Our final song of this session Is The Slapton Smuggler it's been brought to equality by John, the producer of this series, and now I'm going to ask him why. Why? Well, I found this song on a Jim Causley CD and uh, really liked it. And as usual, it's the bloke that's going out having a seemingly good time, you know, the pirate on the sea, the swashbuckling, or the man who goes and fights for his country, although that's not quite so good, but, you know, on the, on the way... They seem to have a damn good time. So I thought, right, let's have the man at home and he's doing the washing up and he's taking the kids to school and setting the dishwasher and fighting all the bills and all the rest of it. And it's the woman who goes out and it does the daring do and is on the sea and jolly well enjoys herself. And so we have the Slapton Smuggleress, so to speak. And just to take the idea a bit further, at the end of the song, we've put on a, an old French tune called The Female Sailor. So we've moved the 16th, 17th, 18th century of smuggling into the current age with washing machines? Yeah, washing machines. I'm sure they smuggled them. But no, I thought it would be great to have the woman going out and uh, doing the daring do and it's the man who's stuck at home. So did the lady have a man in every port? Probably. That's what the, uh, the man did, didn't they? Good for her, I yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And she sails upon the sea And I wish I were a smuggler To sail along with she For to sail along with she Me boys for the brandy and the wine And to run the tubs at Slapton When a silvery moon do shine For the Harlands is a fine drink 
for them that feels the cold. But brandy is a better drink for them that's getting gold. There's a light upon the cliff top when the boats are homeward bound. When they run the tubs at Slapton and the word goes round and round. fine man all in his bright red coat but I do love my smuggler in her little fishing boat for she runs the finest lace me boys and she spends her money on me and I long to be a smuggler to sail along with she confounds the excise man. She leaves her boat moored on the quay and comes home to me again. Yes, the channel is her kingdom from Devon to the Brittany shore. But I wish when she comes home to me she will go to see no more. hope you enjoyed that. Working with Kate and John fits in well with how I sing the songs and complements them in how they are presented, giving them a new lease of life, to my mind. As an unaccompanied singer for many years, this partnership with Kate and John, now laying down the tunes to the songs to back me, opens the songs up to a wider and perhaps new audience. 
while at the same time I continued to sing songs unaccompanied in the folk song clubs. Expanding the songs to a new audience was what the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould was aiming for, so that these wonderful old songs sung to him by those gentlemen he called his songmen and a few ladies could be heard by others. And finally in this podcast, I just wish to recap on the content of the first 12 podcasts of how the song collection of Devon's folk songs by the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould had started in 1888. The episodes told the story of how it started in that summer, then singers being found in the autumn and by Christmas how Baring Gould, helped by Henry Fleetwood Shepherd and Freddie Bustle, had collected 90-odd songs. But the podcasts are only part of the story leading up to my live performances, which I'm now taking bookings for. The sum dates already confirmed for 2024 in the centenary year of Sabine's death. So to sing the songs, play the tunes and tell the story of Sabine's song collecting in live performance is, I feel important to hopefully get them heard by new audiences who may not be aware of them. So to spread the word, or should that be, songs and tunes, I have produced four separate concerts to tell the story. The first is from 1888, how it all started with an after-dinner conversation. The second, finding singers and starting to collect the songs in the autumn of 1888. The third, selecting songs for his book, Songs and Ballads of the West. Fourth, Songs of the West is published and a concert party style grand tour of Devon and Cornwall takes place in 1892. The first of these concerts in the new year will be at the Church of Mary the Virgin in Denbury near Newton Abbott on the 28th of January 2024. This has been the 13th episode in this podcast series of The Parson and the Songmen. It was produced by John Tidball. I am Mike Bosworth. Thank you for listening. Till next time, which will be in the new year. Bye-bye. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Glad tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We all want some figgy pudding. We all want some figgy pudding. We all want some figgy pudding. So bring some out here. Glad tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. So bring some out here. Glad tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.